You're listening to The Real Movies Podcast, a podcast about documentaries. I'm Rob Carmack. I'm sitting here with John Rhodes. How's everybody out there? John, let me ask you something. Did you, growing up, did you have any sort of local urban legends that you dealt with? You grew up in Abilene, Yeah, right? I did. And actually, we we do. Um, there is this place, there's a, there's a little town outside of Abilene, it's probably 30 minutes. It's called Anson, and there was a place called... There was a thing called Anson Lights, mm-hmm. and you would drive out onto this one road that was next to a cemetery, and you would park in the middle of this crossroads, like you have to park right in the middle, and then you flash your lights three times, and um, a, a single light comes down the road at you. And Did you do this? Yeah, yeah. I've and done it, it, it several works. times. Yeah. It's I've done it when it works, and I've also done it when it doesn't work. Okay. Um, but uh, it, it, it's really weird. Um, you're in a creepy setting. You're right next to a, a cemetery. Um, the story behind it is that somebody had kidnapped this lady's kids, and she went out looking for her kids with a single lantern, and what you see coming down the road is her lantern. She's still looking. And she's still looking. She died of exhaustion. On that road right there. Oh well, that is a and classic, so, like urban, le- like yeah. lo- local story. Yeah, and so that was kind of the that was the urban legend that we had growing up. But um, nobody was ever afraid of it. I mean, and and granted, you get out there and and it's creepy. I mean, the whole setting is just creepy. Um, you're in the middle of nowhere. It's pitch black, and and you're flashing your lights, and you're next to a cemetery. But nobody's afraid that they're going to get killed. Yeah, out there. So it was kind of a. It didn't really hurt anybody. Urban legend. Yeah, we we had we had a couple. I grew up in a really small town in Oklahoma, and we had one. Like there was allegedly there was this guy who lived somewhere in town named Chester who had been convicted on multiple counts of child molestation, which of course lends itself easily to the nickname. Chester the molester, <laughs> and so everyone claims that like every kid in my class had claimed that they they had like this weird encounter with Chester at the grocery store or like getting his paper on, on his front lawn. I never once in my life, and this is a really small town where everybody sees everybody all the time. I never once laid eyes on Chester. I couldn't even tell you where he lived. <laughs> but in at the time, like when I was in like fifth grade, I was like, yeah, I totally saw Chester like walking past the elementary school the other day. It's crazy, and so so we had that. But then there was also, uh, and this was actually a true one, but it, um, it was one that everybody sort of jumped on a bandwagon, is that there was a there was a guy named Bick who uh, who lived, uh, I, I don't even, he, he lived near the, the, the one grocery store we had in town, and when Bick wouldn't take his meds, he would walk around naked. Oh, um, nice. Just through town, like just wearing cowboy boots and a cowboy hat and nothing else. And, and so, like, I know people who saw... I don't even take meds, and, and I still do that. Yeah, I mean, every once in a while, <laughs> yeah. you, you, don't, you don't necessarily have to be on meds and yeah. then go off them to, to, to have that happen. Yeah. It, that was just the story with Bick. And so, like, it was one of those things, like, everybody, if you hadn't seen Bick, you were lame. And so, that was definitely, like, everybody had claimed to have, like, been around at night when, and seen Bick walking by naked. But, <laughs> but I, personally, I never did, but I definitely would jump. Again, I was one of those like I had to jump on the bandwagon. Right. In elementary school, you have to. No matter what, yeah, the, yeah. no matter what the urban legend is, you have to have been a part of it. And so, uh, so those are the two local ones. Um, not, neither of them, in, to my knowledge, ever really fleshing out to anything real. But um, except, well, anyway. But but anyway, th- th- what we're talking about today has to do with local urban legends, specifically a Staten Island urban legend featured in the 2009 documentary Cropsey. 
about 15 buildings here have been abandoned for quite some time. They did a lot of searching for the kids here. Specifically for Jennifer and I believe Holly Ann. Growing up on Staten Island, Barbara and I had often heard the legend of Cropsey. You're supposed to have a hook and axe with a knife about this big. Cropsey was the escaped mental patient who lived in the tunnels beneath the old abandoned Willowbrook Mental Institution, who would come out late at night, snatch children off the streets. I have never, I would have never guessed there were the, the amount of weirdos living on Staten Island. There might be somebody on your block. There might be somebody you work with. You know, here's this guy going around picking off these kids. I can imagine how other parents, even if your kid's gone for an hour, I can imagine how they must feel. You know, that's probably the, one of the last things that you ever think about, that somebody would take your daughter. It seemed like everywhere I went, there were people out in the woods looking for that little girl. It's no question if we were going to find her. We definitely were going to find her. She thinks we're picking at dead children's bones. It starts out talking about the urban legend of there's a guy that lives in the woods of Staten Island and he abducts children. And it becomes uh, sort of a cautionary tale yes. for parents to tell their kids, don't be late, don't don't come home after dark, yeah. you know, or don't be out after dark, or Cropsey will get you. And or, so, or don't be hanging around this place or that place. And because Staten Island, it does go into some very interesting things about Staten Island is Staten Island's kind of a, a dumping ground for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and... It, Staten Island, New York. I yeah, suppose Staten we, we Island, New York. Specify, it yeah. has uh, the world's largest landfill um, on it, and then it also has kind of some of these mental institutions, and uh, it had a tuberculosis center, and so it was more of a metaphorical dumping of place a uh, place where you could dump even people that weren't wanted. It's it's had a um, rough go. Yeah, Staten Island. Yeah, but then it. It kind of also grew up as a neighborhood as well. And so it was the only area in um, New York, in one of the five boroughs, that had a whole lot of just land, just available land. You know, there was there was a lot of stuff that kind of came up around. They didn't want kids going into this old abandoned mental institution. They didn't want kids going into this old abandoned um, tuberculosis center. And so they invented this urban legend. Well, they didn't invent it, but... It got started as, you know, don't it evolved, go, don't, for sure. Don't hang out there, or Cropsey will get you. Yeah. Well, the, the problem is, there, there was somebody that was abducting kids that right. was kind of in that area. And so, whether it was urban legend or whether it was kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy, it, it did happen. And the abductions took place, just to get, get my timeline right, the, the abductions took place in the late 70s, early 80s. Right, which I feel like in the 70s, like late 70s, early 80s, we were so worried about getting abducted, like child abductions. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can remember growing up in, well, in the, in the 80s, and man, that was a huge fear of everybody. My mom used to warn me about, you know, don't take candy from strangers. Don't well, if somebody's asking you to find their dog, don't go with them. Well, the yeah. origin of the Amber Alert came from Arlington. Oh, Arlington, okay. Texas. A girl, a little girl named Amber and I want to say 1989, 1990. I could I could be wrong. You can I'm, I'm sure if I'm wrong, somebody will let me know <laughs> that listens. Uh, but but I think that that around that decade was when the Amber Alert was invented because because of this this fear. And, oh, wow. And, yeah. That was a huge issue um, of the time. And it's not that I don't think it's not a huge issue now. I mean, I think that you still hear about child abductions and things like that. But 
I feel like it was a much more pressing issue uh, at the time. So anyway, um, did you ever did you ever watch in school? Did you ever watch those videos where they have like a creepy guy in a van pulling up to a yes. little <laughs> and and the kid always has his name on his backpack and they're like he's like Hey Johnny, your dad sent me to pick you up. Here's some candy. Hop in the back of my van. And so it's they they really set it up to. And you know, and yes, and I've seen almost almost verbatim that. And there was one day that I had gotten in trouble at school. My mom was supposed to talk to the principal when she got there. Well, she sent somebody from her school to pick me up because she had a meeting. And they were like, "Hey, John, I'm supposed to pick you up. Your mom sent me." And I like freaked out <laughs> because I was like no my mom doesn't ever send somebody Did you run screaming down the hall and I'm making that I'm sure I said something <laughs> to that effect and then there was like a phone calls had to be made and it was weird and this poor woman got escorted out of the building with a bag over her head. yeah it was it was very awkward but I mean the whole your mom sent me to come get you like that line set me off and then I was, like, caught in this, oh, I told them my mom would be here after school so they didn't have to call her because I had gotten in trouble at school and all this stupid other stuff. And so, anyway, it was it was kind of a – it was definitely a weird situation where I thought I was going to be abducted. Plus, I was already kind of – I always had this the bad guys are out to get me kind of mentality or attitude because when I was about seven years old, where I lived – there was a there was a 7-Eleven that was pretty close to my house, and somebody robbed the 7-Eleven and shot the clerk that was there and killed them. Um, and we had built our house kind of on the edge of town, and so behind our backyard there was nothing but like open fields. And they found the guy in those fields behind Whoa. our house, and so. I my seven year old brain just processed it as that's where bad guys go to hang out, like yeah. that is that is where all bad people go is in this field because that's where this guy went. Like and like in in the cartoons when all the bad guys have like this abandoned warehouse that they all gravitate yes. toward. Yours in Abilene was that that place right behind your house. Yes, and it was literally. <laughs> I mean, this guy was probably captured within you know five or six hundred yards of my back door, mm. and. Uh, and my room overlooks our backyard, and so I would look out at night, and past our fence, I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, how many bad guys are right behind this fence, right? Yeah. And so it took me a while to get over that kind of, you know, thing, but I can see where, you know, it gets built up in the minds of kids, and then they get older, and they become teenagers, and they become rebellious, and they're like, okay, let's go you know, let's go search this out. We're going to go drink this. beer and we're going to go into the <laughs> exactly. abandoned mental asylum. Exactly. And then they Which is of, how every horror movie ever <laughs> has started. They kind of perpetuate this, this cropsy myth because then they start spray painting things up or start destroying things and start making, you know, vandalizing the area. Plus, there are legitimate kind of homeless people in the area and... You know, the homeless situation is is a very interesting thing as well because, quite frankly, more than, like, 70% of the homeless do have some kind of mental illness. Mm-hmm. Not to not to say all homeless people are bad people, not to say that, but there are a lot of homeless people that have mental issues, and when you compound that on top of the 
the Cropsey situation. There's a bunch of homeless people that hang out by this old abandoned mental mental institution. Um, and it just kind of starts making the whole thing creepier and creepier and creepier. Well, the people of Staten Island um, picked one guy. Um, his last name is Rand. What was his first name? Andre. Andre Rand. They pick Andre Rand. They kind of say, you're the one that's abducting these children. Yeah. And, and it wasn't, I mean, they didn't, like, pick him, like, they didn't draw his name out of a hat. Like, no. there, there were definitely things that kind of pointed at this guy. There are a lot of coincidences. There was a ton of circumstantial evidence. And can we just say, he does nothing to help himself. No, he doesn't. If he's innocent, he, he does nothing to convince anyone that that's true. Right. And, and so, but... Anyway, there is no hard evidence that he is kidnapping him, but he's kind of around all of these kids that get kidnapped and turn around and, you know, he he comes out. They do this weird perp walk. After they, um, after they arrest him, they bring him out of the courthouse and he's kind of got this weird eyes glazed over kind of rolling back into his head and he's drooling and it he looks just, crazy yeah he looks crazy he looks like the crazy old man that would abduct a child and kill them um you know things like that and so people got in their head oh this guy totally killed these kids right and so um the the documentary kind of explores did they get the right guy or did this guy become kind of a scapegoat for what happened? And and ultimately, the answer is you you have to make your own decision. And that, to me, that right there is... And there are a couple of side roads we can take from that point. But to, to me, that right there is the major theme of what this, this film is. The, the documentary does not set out to verify or disprove Andre Rand's guilt. The theme of this film... And it took me a little while to catch what it was. But the theme of this film, in my opinion, is... How, it's so easy for these preconceptions to color your assumptions and conclusions about a person or an issue. Yeah. And they, they interview one guy who says, I could show you a picture of Andre Rand and tell you this guy murdered and kidnapped and murdered a bunch of kids. And you'd be like, yeah, that, I totally see that. Or you could tell, or you could show, show me the same picture and say, this guy saved a family from a burning building. And you would think, yeah, that's, this guy looks like a hero. And so we, we fill in the gaps. Our our ability to construct narratives around our our assumptions yeah. is really really powerful. I thought that interview was a really good interview. I mean, I thought what he he was spot on with what he was saying. I mean, we are so susceptible to pressure, peer pressure, um, and the power of suggestion. Yes. And, and really, that's what this, this film is about. And you sort of get different angles on, well, do you think he's guilty or don't you? And then they have, and all, all, the, all the interviews have speculative, well, he looked this way, or he, he seemed to be saying this. And it all kind of comes back to, what, what were your first assumptions, and how has that guided you from this, this point? Yeah. And in fact, even, and you, you even mentioned a few minutes ago, that as kids, we get these things in our heads and we sort of carry them. The filmmakers are kids who grew up in Staten Island, who grew up and with, with this urban legend in their head. And yeah. they thought we have to explore this, and I love that. I love that this wasn't just a some random filmmaker who came in and said, "Hey, this is something interesting that I heard about." These are people who were profoundly impacted by this story all their lives, right? And so they're they're telling it with their own through their own lenses, and they're acknowledging that that, that we all we come into this with our own preconceptions, and even as they correspond, there there there's some letters traded between them and Andre Rand, and you kind of get the the feeling that the woman. 
I don't remember her first, her last name is Brancaccio. I don't remember Barbara. Barbara. She you can tell she kind of feels a little creeped out just yeah. by the fact that they're corresponding here. And so and that I mean you know that that goes all the way back to when she was a little girl. Yeah. You know, and and like th- there's a lot of baggage that the filmmakers are carrying through this. Yeah, and the whole the whole thing is creepy because I I have no doubt that Andre Rand is he's a creepy guy. Oh, like, no doubt. He is he is a weirdo, but did he, you know, like, was everything handled on the up and up? I don't think so. Right, and, and that's the second question that, that we wanted to get into was, yeah. it, was due process executed in this case? Or or was this guy actually sentenced to prison based on these preconceptions that we just talked about? Yeah, and, and quite honestly, I, I have no idea. This guy may have done it. And but I feel like if he did it, the right person was caught in the wrong way. That's um, a good way to put it. I I don't feel like justice was served in this situation. I mean, they were there were people testifying, especially in his second the second conviction because he was he was convicted of kidnapping this girl named Jennifer. Um, we should say all of his victims were um, mentally challenged children. And Andre Rand had spent time in this mental asylum. And so you have this... And there's even, like, record of him talking about, like, how the world needs to be... You know, like, like basic, basically saying very incriminating things about yes. the presence of mentally challenged children in the world. Yeah. So, and, and I realize that's circumstantial evidence, but it, it does not help him. No, it doesn't. <laughs> and so, it, it anyway. doesn't help him at all. But the Jennifer story. But yeah, okay, there. so, um, well, even, especially the second conviction that they got, they, they also convicted him of kidnapping um, another little girl later. It was 20 years after the fact, and th- they had a person, all they had was eyewitness testimony that was eyewitness 20 years in the past. It's bad, yeah, no, yeah. no doubt. And one of their star witnesses is a girl who was six years old at the time, and she comes in and she's like, yeah, so I totally saw him. He, he put her in the car and this and that. But his face was covered. But it was it was so him. And she's pointing it out and she's saying, it's this guy. Did you see his face? No, it was covered up. But, oh, I know it was him. And I was like, how do you know it was him if you can't even see his face? Like, and you are six. Like, my memory is so sketch at six, at six years old between what I remember happening and what actually happened. Yeah, well, I mean, if something happened to you when you were six and, and, and you remembered that it happened, but you couldn't... You, but and say, say you remember it very clearly, but then from that moment for twenty years, I come to you every day and I and I show you a picture of someone and I say, "You remember th- this was the person that did that." Yeah, it's not going to take too long for you to begin believing that narrative. Exactly. And so and like again, the theme of this is we we construct these narratives and our reality conforms to the narrative that we constructed. And I, I definitely think that that some of that went on and people found a scapegoat people found somebody that they could say yeah that's him and their mind started saying oh yeah this is what i saw Mm -hmm. um whether or not i mean if they saw the same person i have no idea and so it was i mean it was just it was just weird it was the whole thing was done by 
There was no hard evidence. It was all, oh yeah, I saw him on that street. I saw him on the street that she disappeared on. Oh yeah, he used to hang out here. And and things like that is what got him convicted, which is... It's all circumstantial. Yeah, all the evidence. And, I mean, that it's circumstantial evidence is shaky always yes. and so like you said it's bad eyewitness testimony is circumstantial and I'm not sitting here saying I'm not sitting here saying that Andre Rand is is innocent no honestly no. it seems like he's probably guilty but I don't think they proved it in, in the court no you know? see that's what I I think that's like I said I think they may have gotten the right guy in the wrong way mm-hmm. um, which I don't feel like is how the American justice system works. And I understand that people are like, but if we got the right guy, then why does it matter? Well, it matters because there's so many times that that same thing has not gotten the right guy. You, you don't want to be the wrong yes. guy and have this thing happen to you. Right. Is that you want the system to work fairly always. I mean, when, when DNA evidence kind of exonerates all kinds of people, you don't want... You don't want to be that guy that spent 30 years in prison and then they come to you and go, oh yeah, by the way, um, DNA proves this couldn't have been you. Sorry about that. Yeah. Sorry that your life was ruined and that you spent 30 years in jail. Or, yeah. or executed. Yeah. Or <laughs> right. executed. Yeah. 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 And, and so, which I mean, takes us back to a documentary we talked about a few episodes ago, Into the Abyss. Um but you know we we don't have to chase that rabbit. But but yeah, you're right. There there is the the question of if we're convicting you wrongly, what what is the cost of that? Yeah. You know, and and really the stakes are high either way. I mean, because if you set the guy free, then it's possible that you're endangering children. Yeah. But if you if you keep him under with no due process, then you are jeopardizing the entire justice system that we claim that we believe in very deeply and so so it very it, it's a tightrope that they're trying to walk and I, I, I sympathize with that it, it reminds me a little bit of the OJ trial you remember because there was yeah. some some evidence that was a little bit shaky there and, yeah. and so I, I think the world has pretty much come down on OJ's probably pretty pretty dang guilty yeah. however you don't want him convicted on the bad evidence right. you want him convicted you know legitimately the, the idea that we could falsify evidence and get a conviction it's I mean that's scary because Who's to say that that couldn't happen to you? I mean, we want the si- if we want the system to work in a, in a certain way, we want it to work in the way we want it to work when we're at its mercy. Yes. And so, and sadly, like you said, I, I think they probably got the right guy um, because I mean, there's a there's a lot of again enough circumstantial evidence makes you think. Well, it, you know, is there anybody else that we see as a possibility for this? It, it's probable. Andre Rand is probably the guy, yeah. honestly. However, like you said, and we're, I feel like we're going in circles at this point, but at, you, you, don't, you don't want the system to work against good evidence. And I don't, I don't know that this ever even came up. They didn't say that this ever came up in court, but when they interviewed the preacher that kind of kept Rand at his house mm-hmm. and they kept him under surveillance, he said that he admitted to taking her. Yeah. And so that was what was... That was what was kind of... I I thought the most damning thing was a confession to a guy who wasn't a cop, but... um, But it's still hearsay. Yeah, it still is hearsay. Um, And that was the only time in there that I found something that that actually would have maybe, you know, been persuasive. Yeah. Um, The other... The other thing that they kind of delve into, and this was something that I think was kind of big in the 80s, was the idea or the notion of 
the devil worshippers. The devil worshippers kidnap children and we, sacrifice them. That's an urban legend we had near my hometown. Yeah. Was that there was there was this spot out in the country where devil worshippers would go in the middle of the night to sacrifice animals. And if you if they got a hold of you after dark, your children as a child you could be next. Wow. And so that there, that that's never been verified. I have no idea that that was anything but a made up thing. But that was something people were deeply, deeply afraid of in the eighties. And so you're you're right. But yeah, I mean, like, no, I've never known a person. They're like, oh yeah, I, I was a devil worshiper. I mean, like, I've known people who have been who've been Wiccan, but mm-hmm. they want to distance the people who are Wiccan want to distance from. We are not devil worshippers. No, like they like, don't want that label. They're crazy. Um, yeah, we're just, we're just wicked. Yeah, we're, we're cool guys. We're what fine. Was that? We shop at Target. The the, the devil worshippers are the ones you got to worry about. Yeah. What was the movie? Oh crud! It was like a cop movie, and they infiltrated pagan people against goodness. And I want to say that it was like Dan Aykroyd and. What was that movie? But, I have no idea what you're talking oh about. Oh my gosh. It was like a comedy, and I can remember watching it as a kid, and they infiltrated like this... Was um, it Dragnet? It may have been. With Tom Hanks? Yes. Oh my gosh. I think, yeah. <laughs> and like they infiltrated, like, these people were like running around, they had like goat skulls on their head, and, and they were doing all these... You know, it was the oh, well, all things bad happen devil worshiping, and I think that I think you're thinking of the Joel Schumacher film Batman and Robin, <laughs> where where the Mister Freeze thugs ride around on uh, neon rollerblades. <laughs> no, that's just probably just as bad. I'm but... fairly certain that's the movie you're thinking. Of. <laughs> but like this is, I mean, this whole notion of oh, there's an underground society out there that wants to sacrifice children to the devil. Um, that was something that I don't know how it got started, but it legitimately like it was it was part of this investigation. They thought that because some lady over in Queens had a vision that this guy was part of an underground devil worship society and he didn't he didn't kill the kids, but he his job was to go kidnap he them, delivered and, them and deliver them to the to the um, the underground devil worshiping society, which, as a narrative, is as terrifying as I can imagine. Yeah, but I'm not sure it's based on any sort of real reality. No, but yeah. <laughs> so I mean, the, there are people out there that do some like crazy stuff, and there are a few people out there that are um, into the whole voodoo scene, or into there is a Church of Satan. Um, However, it is not near as rampant as, um, you know, good Christian housewives would like us to believe. Right. That, from, from the yes, 1980s. From the 1980s. Yeah. They're like, I don't oh my he- gosh. You don't hear about this any- much no, anymore. No, I don't think so. Since the internet, this kind of, like, hearsay rumor has kind of gone away. I yeah. Think. We, for, I mean, in place of new rumors. It's, I, I feel like it's just, it's basically like the, <laughs> the Red Scare. We're not afraid of the Russians anymore. Right. And we're not afraid of satanic cults kidnapping children anymore. It's it's one of those things that kind of went away with kid and play. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Well, well, let's let's talk about positives and negatives. Um, Uh, Okay. Go ahead. Uh, My positives were, I like the lighter side, like the nostalgia of they 
tried to debunk some of these urban legends. And even so far as to, in the middle of the night, going into this, um, going into this mental institution. Yeah. Um, and she, and Barbara doesn't want to go. No, she that doesn't. was that was a fun scene. I but thought. I also thought it was super, like it was really kind of funny because in their pursuit, they run into these kids who are doing the same thing. Yeah, right. And so it just goes to show you that there, you know, there's still kids out there with this curiosity of, oh, this is really creepy, and we're gonna go check this out. When I was in high school, we did the same thing. There was this abandoned um, silos that were in our town, and I don't know how we didn't kill ourselves, but we would go there in the middle of the night and play hide and go seek. And yeah. I mean, these things were like five, six stories tall, and they were they were not well built. There were holes in the floor. You could have fallen through really easily. But it took me back to my childhood when I was a teenager, going, "Oh yeah, we did that same thing, right?" And uh, and so I I liked how they kind of explored that. My negatives were. I don't feel like there was any, like, closure. Like, I don't think that there was anything decided on Rand and whether he was guilty or innocent. Um, I think that a lot of it was just kind of... They speculated a whole lot of stuff but never came out with anything tangible. And so... Yeah, it doesn't end quite so much as just stops. Yeah, they. I mean, they, they dance around a lot of little subjects without really diving into one heart. Sure. Well, my my uh, my positive. I got a lot of positives on this one. It's first of all, it's a it's an intriguing story. Like, there's no doubt this is a really really interesting story. For I mean, l- like you said, it's it's one of these things that ki- even even today, if you go to this mental hospital, this abandoned fill in the fill in the blank abandoned blank whatever, there are kids there right now drinking yeah. beer, like testing the gods or whatever. Yeah. So the story is intriguing. You've got I, I thought the research was really good. I thought they did a, did a really good job of of dealing with the subject a, a very personal subject matter in a very journalistic way even though they acknowledge right up front this is something that's very personal to us so I thought they divided that I, I thought they, they walked that tightrope really well of the personal emotion and the amount of research and, and maybe that's that's the good thing about having two documentarians is that they kind of keep each other in check and then finally it's actually a pretty scary movie like um, some of the footage from the mental like the the Geraldo yeah, film thing is jacked up. Yeah, and when they go like you said when they go to to the abandoned mental hospital, of course they have to do it at night. Yeah. And so <laughs> like there there's just this thing of it, it's 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 got a very scary sort of presence to it as a film, which as a documentary that's hard to do. You yeah. know, it's it's hard to make a documentary scary. And so and it, it didn't it didn't help or hurt. I'm not quite sure which angle you want to look at it. That I watched this movie two days after my new daughter was born, and I was holding her for most of the time that I was watching it. And so oh, you spend an hour and a half talking about child a girl child abductions with I'm, I'm sitting here holding my brand new newborn daughter. I just I mean I there were a couple of times I had to stop it not because I was bored or like needed to do something else, but just because it was it was kind of getting to me. And so. It gets points for that, quite frankly. You know, if a movie's trying to be scary, and it is, then great. And, um, and it, as far as my negatives go, I, I, same, same as you, I would have liked a little bit more closure. Although I get the feeling that the filmmakers probably felt the same way. Yeah. So it's hard to say that it's a negative that they failed to execute. It's almost like this is a story that we there is no closure to. That's the, that's the insidious thing about an urban legend is that... As hard as we want to chase this, there's still going to be these loose strands that we're like, oh, I, I, why can we not just tie this up? And 
Andre Rand is just not gonna he's not gonna talk. You know, yeah. he's not gonna help anybody. And so there's just not enough evidence to go either way. And so we're gonna be left with this question of it's it's almost like the Zodiac killer. Like, well, I guess the child abductions have stopped, so yeah. I guess we'll just have to be satisfied with that. So, um, so that that would I mean, and I, so I don't even know that there is a major negative here. It's just um, it's just good. I just really liked it. So, well, how would you rate this? See, I, I didn't I didn't like it as much I think as you did. I felt like you probably um, wouldn't just knowing the true crime, and and I should have known this when we picked it that we'd just done a true crime. And so going back to that well, I, I wondered, was it too, too soon for you? Well, I mean, and it's not just the, the true crime. Like, I just thought that because they were a little bit all over the place and, and you know, I don't know. The, the child abduction thing is creepy, especially now that that I have kids. Um, that it makes it a little bit more creepy for me. There are times that before I had kids, I wasn't... I was pretty, like, unaffected by most things, but, like, I mean, there have been times that since I've had kids, I've had to be like, okay, I can't handle this anymore. Like, this is not cool. I think that's pretty typical. I've had the same experience. um, I mean, like, when I went through the Oklahoma City Memorial Museum, like, like, I had to get out of that room that has all the kid stuff in it, like... Well, and even... That, like... I like I almost broke down and stuff like that. And so things like that that before I had kids I was like, yeah, you know, it is what it is. Um and now I'm it's it's a little different. So it didn't I don't know. I was I was a little bit more um I didn't know that that got it points as much as it just made it creepier. Um and then I'm not a giant scary movie fan. Um so it, it gets 5 for me. Okay. That's so, all right. Yeah. I, I'm going to give it an eight just for all the, you know, the positives. I probably won't watch. Well, I say I won't watch it. I, I would watch this one again with, with someone who hadn't seen it. If someone was curious about this, I feel like this is a, this is an interesting enough documentary to revisit just for the, if I ever go back to, or if I ever go to Staten Island, I'll probably watch this before I go. Just Yeah. See, know. I don't know that I'll watch it again. I mean, I'm, I, I've seen it and that's great, but well, I don't know a that it's a, I wouldn't expect yeah, to watch it. I'm again. probably not going to watch it. <laughs> that's all right. Well, we're shifting gears a lot, which we t- we tend to try and do as much as we can for the next documentary. The next documentary is called Confessions of a Superhero, yes. which uh, we you can get on Netflix streaming. Uh, Cropsy is available, by the way, streaming both on Netflix and Hulu Plus. So if you have either of those services, you can watch Cropsy. Uh, you can uh, go like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Real Movies, or maybe it's Real Movies Podcast. Real Movies Podcast. Real movies uh, pod- yeah, Real Movies Podcast. Okay, and then Twitter, it's twitter.com slash Real Movies. Real Movies, yeah. And the Tumblr feed, I always forget. It's realmoviespodcast.tumblr.com. Okay, and if you want to recommend a documentary or give us thoughts, uh, hey, shout out to Grant Gentry, who who commented on a story we did a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah. hey, Grant, who goes to the Fellowship of the Parks Haslett Campus. So um, anyway, if you want to, if you want to like us or let us know or rate us on iTunes, any way you want to get in touch with us, feel free to do that. And uh, be sure and watch Confessions of a Superhero and join us next time. All right, see you next week. See you next week.